0: What's up, folks? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, we're going to talk with Houston Gamblers linebacker Donald Payne Jr., who has a remarkable story and journey to the USFL and quietly has become one of the best defenders in the USFL this season. Very excited for you to hear our conversation. Also, going to get into my final. Power rankings of the season as we have locked in our four playoff teams who are headed to Canton, Ohio. Also, the USFL seasonal awards begin later this week. Make sure I get my dates right here. On Wednesday, June 15th, you can check out the USFL social channels to see the all USFL defense, which is going to feature two defensive ends, two defensive interior linemen, three linebackers, two cornerbacks and two safeties. I can think of a number of guys that I think ought to be considered for each one of these spots. Chris Odom, Davin Bellamy, Donald Payne, Gerard Fernandez, DeMarcus Gates, Channing Stribling, Will Likely, Shalom Luani. I'm very excited to see who is on these teams. Thursday, you're going to get the all-USFL offense, which features one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, two offensive tackles, two guards, and one center. And then Friday is the all-USFL special teams place kicker, a punter, a kick returner, a punt returner, and a special teamer. And then next week, we got the big awards. We have Sportsman of the Year, Coach of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Most Valuable Player. Those last three will be selected from the all USFL teams. Again, check out all of the USFL's social channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, wherever it is that you like to consume your USFL content. And then next week, I will tell you who I think ought to win DPOY. why. Also, Coach of the Year. These uh, are all also going to be, not, like, I don't pick these. I should make that very clear. None of the media picked these. I didn't pick anybody or, dis- or not pick somebody for USFL team. These are coming from the eight coaches. I feel like those are the guys that are most qualified to put people on all USFL teams, select offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, coach of the year, and most valuable player. It feels kind of airtight to me on that. All right. So be on the lookout for those things. But right now, let's go talk to Houston Gamblers linebacker Donald Payne. And I'm pleased to be joined by Houston Gamblers linebacker Donald Payne Jr. Donald, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Doing well, RJ.
0: I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the USFL Spotlight show. And I want to ask just off the rip, how does it feel to be on the team that was the first to beat the Birmingham Stallions in Birmingham in front of Birmingham fans? Uh
1: great, great feeling. You know, we had to give them, we had to give them their first loss. You know, we had to we had to knock them off their pedestal real quick. So that was always that was nice of them.
0: It's been a journey for you to come to the USFL, to get to the USFL. I want to pivot to Stetson, right, to the NFL. But when did you first learn that you would be the first player from Stetson University to play in the NFL?
1: Um, I didn't know at all, actually, until going into my senior year. You know, I was just out there playing ball, you know, enjoying it. Stetson's a small D-1 AA school. Yeah, there's no athletic scholarships. It's like Ivy League, you know. So, you know, a lot of people... Uh I, I mean I had great stats, great career there and everything. But you know, it's a small school, no scholarship. So, you know, we weren't getting the NFL scouts that I practice like that and stuff like that. But you know, going into my senior year, my coach said if I really, you know, put my mind to it and you know, go all in, you know, I could have a chance at the next level. And then uh after my senior year, I, I basically said, you know, during my senior year, I basically said, Hey, look, I can I can take this to the next level and I can make this a career, I can make this a lifelong dream. So
0: I think it's remarkable that One of the things that I can count on, if I see Donald Payne Jr.'s name, is that it's going to be high up there when we come to tackles, and I want to get into that in a bit. But among special team players, you racked up the third most tackles in the NFL in 2017 as a Jacksonville Jaguar. What did you learn from playing special teams on the NFL or in the NFL? Excuse me.
1: Um, it's people always talk about offense and defense all the time, but special teams is is a third wave and uh, it's a special wave and. Uh, my coach from Stetson, uh, his name was Kawaki Thomas. He played for the Jacksonville Jaguars for for a while, uh cornerback for them. He basically said he stuck in the league and was able to stay in the league was being a great special teams player, being able to sit in a meeting room and know if you can run down on kickoff, make um, make blocks in the open field, that you're going to have a chance to stick in the NFL, a chance to make, you know, some real money. So I kind of honed, honed in on that and basically said, hey, I'm a, I'm a smaller linebacker with speed, Hey, that's what special teams are for linebackers that can hit and run down the field, you know. So I enjoy, you know, running down on special teams for the Jags for my my, my time there. You know, it was a great time. Got to play in the AFC Championship game, but uh, of course Tom Brady had to, you know, spoil uh, spoil it for us and you know beat beat us in 2017. So that that was kind of bad though. But other than that, it was it was been a great.
0: Hey man, you're not the only person that got a Tom Brady fishing story. Like it's <laughs> it's a lot of folks out there that got a Tom Brady fishing story. But for the uninitiated, I want to walk this out so that everybody understands what, it, what I mean when I'm saying that Donald Payne Jr. is out here to Bobby Boucher and put people on the ground. You went over 100 tackles this season against Birmingham, right? Which means that you got to 100 tackles in nine games, which is ridiculous, uh, or eight games, excuse me, which is ridiculous. But it also means that you've had 100 tackles in every season that you have played entirely going back to high school, man. And to lay this out for folks, right? It's not just hundred tackles as a senior. It is three PFL defensive player of the Year's award. That is pioneer football league. It's all American three times. It's 538 tackles in a career, which is the third most in division one. It's 185 tackles in one season and 30 in one game against Campbell. Where did you learn to <laughs> find football like that, man?
1: Hey, uh, it's a little bit of instincts and it's a little bit of effort. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, it's one in, it's one in itself, you know, um, sometimes when even when you know you might not be the fastest, might be, not be the strongest, if you know what the other teams are going to do, you know what they're going to run, yes, I can be there a step faster and, than anybody else, you know. And, and it's and it's about effort, you know, it's about always being being sound in my gaps. And then guess what, if I got go to go sideline to sideline and make a tackle, you know, stop me from getting the first down, you know, then I'm willing to do that, you know. Uh, and I've really just been doing that my entire career. Uh, I played safety in college, but. I was more of in the box safety, you know, like a Cam Chancellor, you know, not really over the top type safety. So, you know, I I just honed in on that, and it's been been stuck with me ever since, you know. Uh, and even even when I got to start for the Jags for uh, started in 2019, I got to start for the Jags for uh, five games, and during that during that span, I led the NFL in tackles, you know, during that span. So um, it's just. Something I've honed in on as as my niche, and I'm on in the USFL. I've just been trying to keep it going, and you know, play within the scheme. But like I said, it's about instincts and it's about effort.
0: Man, I remember I'm um, I'm covering one of these games. I'm like, this, this can't be right. This dude got 19 tackles in <laughs> one game, and I'm like, wait a second, no, that's him popping up again. But I'm glad you brought up that you were safety in college because if you go look up Donald Payne Jr. at Stetson University, you'll see DB. And you'll also see, okay, I kind of understand this now as a box safety, but there's also this aspect of, forgive me, you being undersized, right? right How have you correct. combated that throughout your career?
1: Um, You know, when I first, you know, you know, said I was going to the, you know, going in the draft, I didn't know training for pro day, would, I, would they consider me a DB or would they consider mm-hmm. me a linebacker? I didn't know, I didn't know what it was, you know, I'm 5'11, kind of six foot around the 228, you know, range. Are they going to, Put me as a safety. Going to put me at a linebacker. Uh, Falcons called. They wanted me as a DB. Baltimore Ravens called. They wanted me as a linebacker. And I, I sat down. with My agent and said, "Hey, this is a this is basically where I'm going to be staple my entire career. Do I want to go with the DB route or go the linebacker route?" And we sat down. We basically said that um, the game has changed so much. Linebackers aren't the same linebackers we had back in the day. Back in the 1980s, running, you know, running four eights and you know, uh, weighing 245 pounds. They, the game is spread out so much. You got to be able to run. You got to be able to you gotta be able to guard tight ends, running backs, you know, you have to do so many more things in, in today's game. And I think that the linebacker play for this generation is is suited perfectly for me. So we decided to go the linebacker route. And you know, uh I had to learn a, a whole bunch of new things my first year in the league, uh uh gap schemes and you know, this is a three technique, a four technique, things as a DB, you wouldn't know. You know, I'm I'm deep safety, I'm cover three, but as a linebacker, there's so many more nuances in it and uh and I'm also playing the Mike linebacker. So I have to make every check, every call. You know, I got the green dot on my helmet. Coach telling me to play. I got to make the check. So linebackers are entirely, at the end of the day, you're the quarterback of the defense. You know, so you have a whole bunch of, um, whole bunch of things riding on your shoulders as you're getting everybody lined up so the whole defense can play well together.
0: It's an astute observation by you to notice what the game is calling for from defenders, notably, like, I find me a will that can line up in the slot and I'll find you a person that's going to make a lot of money because that's just not a skill set that usually transfers. And I appreciate you going, hey, as a as a former free safety, I'm going, nah, man, when the ball's in the air, I know what to do. That, that run fit stuff, that ain't for me. I don't, I don't do that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like hey, RJ, your fit is here. I'm like, nah, linebacker, that's, he going to clean that up. I right, Look, I'm going to get the ball. That's what I'm here to do. But I want to take it back to Stetson for just a little bit. when are playing for the Hatters. You're having these two outstanding seasons. You mentioned you're not playing on scholarship. Did you think about transferring?
1: Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand percent thought about transferring. Uh, uh, I had a few teams that actually, uh, Bethune-Cookman's right up the street from Stetson. So, you know, they reached out and uh, a few other teams reached out who were recruiting me beforehand, who wanted to bring me on as a preferred walk-on. And uh, my defensive coordinator and my mom, we just sat down and said, hey, look, I made so many great friends here at this school. Uh I've got coaches that are like a father figures to me there. And they basically said, Hey, look, um, I I have a, I had a home there, you know, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to disrupt that home. I didn't want to go somewhere just because I thought I could be better. You know, I thought I could be at SEC school. I think I could have, I could have stuck with, with anybody, but I made a home there and, you know, I don't regret it at all going, going to uh, going to Stetson at all. And I enjoyed the time I got lifelong friends i made there. And at the end of the day, me and my mom but always say, Hey, it worked out. You know, I got to pay off my loans after that first, co- first couple NFL game checks. I paid off those loans right away. So it's all good now.
0: It's a very 2022 sensibility you have there. But I, <laughs> see, this is what I was going to lead to. But now you just ask the question, which is, Does that finance degree get any work? And he's like, Absolutely. I'm paying off these student loans. <laughs> no, I'm with that, dog. I really am. I appreciate you putting it in perspective for folks that might not understand why you want to go and play your football at Stetson University. And for the folks that are still thinking about this, yes, John B. Stetson renamed the university after the Hatter and the Hat mm-hmm. Manufacturer. He was a great patriarch and uh, donor to the university itself. And we just want to make yeah. sure I clean that up for folks that's going, is he really talking about the same dude? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, how have you become such a great, well, tackler in the USFL where you know you're playing against other dudes that not unlike yourself? spend a little bit of time in the NFL and can play some football.
1: I mean, this is a, I always talk to my defense, uh, defensive guys. I had to get a little accustomed. It's my first spring league, you know, is a first, you know, they've had other, you know, spring leagues and USFL has stuck around. I'm so glad that they've been able, you know, um, everything, the organization, everything that USFL has, has had going on has been great. You know, it's been sensational. You know, I think, you know, USFL is here and it's here to stay and, I had to get a couple of insights from some some of my guys who've been in spring leagues. Hey, how does it work? How, how's it, how, how's the competition? How does it work? We don't have a regular training camp. You got to, you know, we have to speed things up a little bit. You know, we getting dudes from all types of all different types of uh, walks of life. We got people who was in the league three, four years. You got some people who are, you know, just trying to continue playing, you know, playing a game of football, you know? So we got so many different people in this league and, um, you just we all just have come together and you know the you know gamblers us being two and seven you know which is unfortunate, but we have so much camaraderie on you know even though we're being two and seven and you know I really enjoyed my enjoy my time with all my teammates actually just came back from a paintballing event with the team you know we have, we had about 20 guys out there paintballing um so that, so that was great fun but I, I I've enjoyed my time and and we've just been able to stick together and then you know, the camaraderie has been great.
0: I've been amazed at the play on the field because every game is competitive. Y'all all know what y'all are doing. And you can tell the quality of the football is there mostly because folks like yourself want it to be there. And if nothing else, the, the tape you're putting out is incredible. And I want to be the first person or maybe the next person to tell you that. I want to touch a bit on your family, though. Your, your father, former All-American Morris Brown, Donald Payne Sr., your Uncle Ezra Johnson, who I first knew about. is also an All-American, former first-round selection, 1977 NFL draft. Look, man, uh, it feels like you don't get to gloat about anything at your house.
1: <laughs> nah, not much, big dog, not much. Hey, my uh, uh, Uncle Ezra always, you know, he's actually in the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame, you know. So my first couple years in the, in the, in the NFL, you know, he's always talking like, hey, Unc, I'm getting some checks, man. You know these checks are nice. He was like, "Get ten years like me, big dog." Then, then come Yo talk way. to me. <laughs> get ten years like me, big dog. Say, like, "Oh man!" I, but nah, uh, they they've been a great. Uh, my father actually passed away when I was thirteen. Uh, uh, he passed away when I was thirteen. So my my uncle has me. You know, has um, taken you know uh, me on his wing. You know, in, in NFL, you know, once you you know you get vested and everything, it's it's a camaraderie of all of professional football. It's so a it's it's a uh, is a club, club that a private club. that only pe- certain people can join. Who, only people who've been a part of. And so, um, the NFL umbrella and the, and the pro football umbrella. You know, I'm underneath that. So I've had a lot of guys mentor and help, and you know, take me on their wing. But yeah, uh, big big unk. You know, I'm trying to get up there like him, though.
0: <laughs> well, allow me. Uh, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, number one. Um, number two is it's great that your unk has you back, and you have somebody you can speak to about this rarefied air because. That's one of the issues I find is just having somebody to relate to, understands what you're going through, that you feel has gone through it themselves. My last question for you, and this is one that I give to all of the players who are gracious enough to give us their time here, is why did you want this opportunity to play in the USFL?
1: That's a great question because uh, Coach Lewis, was our defensive coordinator for uh, the Houston Gamblers. He always he sat down with us the first time and said, "What is your why?" Mm-hmm. Because everybody has to have, has to have a why they're in this. And everybody's why is different. You know, everybody, everybody's different. Hey, I need to provide for my family. I need to, you know, show them that, you know, I'm still the player, same player I am. I was injured. So, uh, but my specific why was, you know, um, I really just wanted an opportunity and I'm glad the USFL has given me the opportunity to, to show what I've been able to do my entire career and say, and say I'm the exact same player I was. I'm the exact same player I am. And, giving me the opportunity to, sh- to showcase that and that's exactly why I joined the USFL to show them hey Donald Payne is you know it's still is still the great player I believe I am and it's getting it's giving me the chance to do it on a national stage and um and I just uh my, my mom she's been there through, w- with me throughout this entire process you know coming from Stets going to Stets and going to league for three four years and then you know here and I just know she loves watching me play football and doing what I, doing what I love, you know. And she knows I lo- I do it at a high level, and I'm glad I've been able to give her and the rest of my family, my stepdad as well, I'm giving them something to be excited for. They come, they're come. from Atlanta, Georgia, so they come to every game in Birmingham I have here. So I'm giving them something else to be excited for. All my fans and Stetson, all my fans, you know, who was with me in the, when I was in the NFL I'm giving them something to show like hey DP's still fighting for this thing and you know he has a lot left in the tank I'm only 27 years old so you know I still got playing ball left in my in me
0: hey man you won me over just by giving uh props and shout outs to your moms because that this is a, this is a mom show over here
1: so I'm, <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm very that's very cool honestly uh, the pain train my goodness that, that's the other part the man <laughs> on Twitter is the pain train you go see him hit somebody I ain't cool i am again i'm a safety you are a not- linebacker you know what i mean like you talk about cam Chancellor now nah, that ain't no safety that's a linebacker that's an oversized <laughs> linebacker that I- that's how i view you man uh it has been my privilege to talk with you today donald payne is linebacker for the Houston gamblers much luck to you and uh good luck the rest of the way in this season I appreciate
1: you, RJ. Thank you for having me on, big dog. Thank you.
0: My thanks to Donald Payne for joining us here on the number one ranked show. And I think it's, again, remarkable that this man has been such a tackling machine throughout his career. All right, now let's get into my power rankings headed into week nine. And this is going to be the last power rankings for the USFL's inaugural season. Because yes, as we're going to go through this, we have all four of our playoff contenders locked in who's going to Canton. Now it's about who's going to be in the best shape as we get to those four teams playing for the inaugural USFL championship. All right, for the first time all year, we have a new number one, ding, ding, ding. We have New Jersey at the top. Look, the Generals have proven to be the most complete football team in the USFL, offensively, defensively, special teams. They run the ball well. When they have to throw the ball, they can throw the ball well. They have a great rapport between the wide receivers and Luis Perez, if nobody else, but also DeAndre Johnson. And we got to see an example of that as Luis Perez threw a fade route to Darius Shepard to win the game in week nine. Really are excited to see what, or was it week eight? It was week eight, we're going into week nine, my bad. I'm excited to see that relationship continue to grow. And I also understand what they have in Trey Williams and Darius Shepard. And shout out to that offensive line that has been doing yeoman's work and perhaps the most underrated defender in all of the league, Shalom Luani, uh, Luani who has been, more of an interception machine than I think any other safety in the league has been. And it's really difficult to shine as a safety in the USFL because people are throwing to the outside and you're really just coming downhill to tackle, which we'll get to here in a second. Number two on the list, I got the Houston Gamblers. Look, you become the first team to knock off the undefeated team, the last undefeated team. As we're getting toward the end of the regular season, you shoot to the power uh, top of the power rankings because that's what we're talking about, right? What did you look like? the week prior. Now, the gamblers still haven't figured out how to score a bunch of points, especially with Kevin Sumlin being the play caller and the head coach. I just expected them to go up there and score 40 every game, and it hasn't been the way of it. The gamblers have been defensively brilliant and remarkably sound. I would add here, you have the sack leader in Chris Odom at defensive end. You have Reggie Northrup that makes everything go in the middle. You have Will Likely on the outside, who's, if not the best, the second best corner in all of the USFL. And of course, you've got Donald Payne, who is a tackling machine. He knows where the ball is. He knows where the ball carrier is. And he puts that person on the ground. And you were able to do that against a team that, quite frankly, we all thought would just hand you your head in one way or another. And that's just not the way that it went. Now, number three, Birmingham Stallions. They have looked shaky for the past month right? We thought that they found something when they got Bo Scarborough more involved to the offense, and they did, right? They found a tailback that they could hand the ball to in the fourth quarter and run out the clock, but they still are getting in their own way. Slow starts for this team have been a killer, and if you go into the playoffs, you're probably playing a team that can take advantage of that slow start. They also got to see great play out of Jamar Smith late, but Jamar Smith also threw the interception that ended the game to Micah Abernathy, and Micah Abernathy is also, one of those guys that is coming on strong in the latter part of the season, but the Stallions also statistically were destroying Houston, and that makes it difficult if you're not watching the football game. To which I thought Skip Holtz has the quote of the year so far in a post game press conference when he says, Statis- "Statistics, excuse me. Let me say this again. Statistics are for losers," which I kind of enjoy, but I also am like, "Yeah, I, I see what you mean." So they lost the field position battle. Like they got well. Destroying on special teams like Houston's punt team was just going at them and they could not get out of their own way you're also looking at a team that was more or less able to say okay you want to run the ball cool we'll stop you that's fine give us the ball back we probably won't do much with it but you're not going to score if we got the ball and that's a great way to beat the Birmingham Stallions which is another way of saying it. if you can score you have an opportunity but that's been so difficult for them even as they have what I think is the best duo of linebackers in the USFL though Reggie Northrop. Donald Payne might have something to say about that. Scooby Wright, DeMarcus Gates have been awesome all year long, right? And when those two dudes are on, they're very difficult to stop. And if you can get Bo Scarborough and C.J. Maribel back to what they were a couple weeks ago, you'll be okay. But 57 rush yards on 20 rushes, that ain't going to cut it. That ain't going to cut it, especially when Jamar Smith is throwing for 260. Like You got to get something out of your run game, and that's who this team is. They run the ball, they play defense. Number four here, I have the Philadelphia Stars. Now, following a shaky start against Pittsburgh, who has been not great, we saw Bart Andrus pull starter Case Cookus for K.J. Costello, who once played quarterback at Stanford and Mississippi State, which is kind of wild. But neither one of those dudes looked any good against what I've always thought is a good Pittsburgh Maulers defense. Like Jared Horton doesn't get enough credit for just how good his defense has been because they haven't won that many games. they won won, in fact, and they've been held back by their own quarterback play. But when you weren't able to pass the ball, you were able to get Matt Colburn involved, and he had 13 touches for 101 yards plus a TD from 51 yards out. This is significant because Andrus's offense is built to showcase the quarterback and the wide receivers. They like to throw the ball around, so if you're getting something out of your running game that's just a bonus. And that's a dangerous team to play going into the USF play, uh, USFL playoffs if Case Cook is, is on, right? And Matt Colburn keeps being hot. They've also got some outstanding wide receivers that I really like in Bug Howard, who's tight end, but I call him a wide receiver, right? You also got uh, Jordan Sewell, who's been outstanding. But more to the point here, Channing Stribling has created a no fly zone and Jordan Moore has turned himself into really the heart of that defense. If those things stay consistent, I feel good about my preseason dark Horse pick that is Philadelphia to win the USFL championship. Bart Andrews has demonstrated. He knows how to play this game. He knows how to take advantage of the unique USFL rules, and he is unafraid to challenge his opponents uh, through the air and on the ground, wherever he thinks he can get an edge. Number five here. I got the new Orleans breakers who picked up the last playoff spot that was available this past week with a win against the Tampa Bay bandits. Now, they've been great defensively, particularly with Gerard Fernandez and Davin Bellamy, right? They got great play out of Reggie Howard, defensive tackle, who was released by the Michigan Panthers just the week prior. Now, or excuse me, not Panthers, the Bandits the week prior because he played against the Bandits. And the Breakers quietly have been really good about picking up recently released players from the team they're going to play that week. Like they did this with Jay Patterson and the Michigan Panthers, and they've done it with Reggie Howard and the Tampa Bay Bandits. But they got a, hole at quarterback that I just not did not expect them to have, because Kyle Sloter was playing outstanding football through the first half of the season. Since then, he hasn't looked like the guy that he's demonstrated himself to be capable of being. He's thrown more interceptions now than he has touchdown passes, 11 INTs to 9 TDs. He got the hook early in the first half against Tampa. They put in Tulsa quarterback Zach Smith, who played well, then suffered an arm injury, and they went back to Sloter. Slaughter still managed to throw an interception despite not really getting that many opportunities to throw the football around. Like he had like 12 attempts total. It's just not a good look. So Larry Fedora's got to be just beside himself trying to figure out what to do at quarterback. Now, he said in the post-game press conference that Kyle Slaughter is going to be their starter. But he also said we got to take into account who's healthy. And he also also said that Zach Smith could have gone back in the game if they needed to do that. I think he's trying to let Slaughter be the guy and get himself out of this slump, but I can't have a quarterback back there. That's going to throw the ball to the other team and expect to win football games. Cause Fedora has been the first person to point this out. We shouldn't be in this position. We are playing good enough football to win games by double digits. And we're just not doing it. We're making it harder on ourselves than it has to be. But this team is also like Philadelphia, very dangerous. If both sides, offense and defense are playing good football and, they got outstanding skill players offensively. You just got to get in the ball. Johnny Dixon being one of those dudes that they try to get involved. Jordan Ellis late. Anthony Jones late. Right. We've been really fortunate to get to see some of these guys play football and see how good they can be. I think if they get the quarterback situation under control before they head to Canton, they're they're dangerous. They're dangerous. Right. So now we get into our last three teams to mention here, all teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, so we'll go with. I think I got Michigan at number six, right? Uh, just hadn't gone well for them. They've started, not started, they played a fourth different quarterback in that Beret. They also played Josh Love. They played Paxton Lynch. They played Shea Patterson. They just haven't been able to find out something that works really well for them. And Jeff Fisher's squad had an opportunity to beat the Generals until Darius Shepard went over the top and caught a fade route that ended up winning the Generals the game. They've just been unlucky all year. It's not that they're a bad football team by any stretch. I mean, they had a 60-yarder from... Uh, kicker they had a two point conversion in regulation and they got the game into overtime against a playoff team in the breakers and they just came up short i'd really like to see what this team looks like going into year 2 i'm sure that there are a lot of learns that jeff fisher and his group can take from this but you want to have more than one win that's i mean that's the landscape number 7 on the list here for me is tampa bay as good as jordan tamu has been at times He's also been Jekyll and Hyde there. It's been bad, right? So he went 22 of 39 for 288 with a TD, but he also threw two INTs. He doesn't throw those two INTs. They might go score points, and they have an opportunity to not just beat the New Orleans breakers, but they would have had an opportunity this week to secure that fourth playoff spot with the win. New Orleans beat them. New Orleans gets the playoff spot. I just felt bad for the offense and the defense that I thought would, not unlike the Michigan Panthers, showed a lot of promise, right? Right. Jordan Tamu was playing really well. Uh, Derek Dillon was playing really well. You're starting to get the run game more involved. The defense, uh, coordinated by Pepper Johnson, had just been outstanding at times. You just need all those things to work in concert with each other, and you have a different look, right? You have a what I think could have just as easily been a 7-2 and two team going into the Week 10, as opposed to being out of playoff contention and having to try to salvage something from the rest of the season. And then last on the list here is Pittsburgh. They clawed their way in front of the Stars early in the fourth quarter on Sunday night and just fell short. 12 minutes left, they gave up a big run to Matt Colburn. That's enough for, but not with 12 minutes left. They go up with 12 minutes left and then with about four minutes left, they gave up the big run to Matt Colburn who obviously iced the game for them. I just felt bad for Pittsburgh's defense as much as I feel for the offense because you could tell what Kirby Wilson was trying to do from the outset. He wanted to build his team around around a power running game and a great defense. But they weren't that good at running the ball and they weren't that good at throwing the ball when everybody knew they had to throw the ball and at times they didn't have enough wide receivers on the field to even do anything out of a passing formation that might stretch the defense. Like at one point they had three wide receivers on the roster that they could throw passes to and Good luck trying to run five wide with three wide receivers, for instance, right? Don't know that that was in Kirby Wilson's playbook, but now that you've seen the many looks and the many ways in which you have to attack USFL defenses, I'm sure Kirby Wilson is going to take a lot from this experience. Again, I just want to point out that the defense for the Mahlers was outstanding. The Stars want to throw the football a bunch, they threw it 23 times, they completed just nine for 131 yards. With, a T, or with an INT and zero TDs. That is an outstanding performance from the Pittsburgh Mauler defense. And that's kind of been my takeaway from this entire group of teams. These eight teams are really good and we've seen very close games and we've seen the margins are simply that thin, but wins and losses are the wins and losses. And we have our four teams headed to Canton. They are the Birmingham Stallions, the New Orleans Breakers, the New Jersey Generals, and of course the Philadelphia Stars. I'm excited to see which one of those teams can play and win the USFL championship. All right, that is it for me. Doses.